Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joseph. My pronouns are he, him. Hey, I'm Kayla, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Will. He, him. And I am founder Leroon. He, him. Welcome, Leroon. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Leroon is one of the founders of the Fantasy Grounds College, um, which Ooh. is a, I'll be honest, I have a history with Fantasy Grounds dating back to 2005. I could have used fantasy grounds college back then uh, i think yeah go ahead uh, i was just gonna say uh, not only is there an awesome site with all sorts of tutorials on on how to use uh the fantasy grounds system uh but there is a wonderful discord community uh that Leroon is one of the uh founders of as well so just wanted to give a fuller idea it's not just how to use fantasy grounds but there's also a whole community around it that is really cool thank you to the show yeah okay so i I have i have a very stupid question and and i'm I'm gonna let my i'm gonna let this just kind of hang what the hell is fantasy grounds and why have i not heard about this until now (laughs) we do all our research before the show (laughs) (laughs) that's fine um well uh in a nutshell fantasy grounds is basically a platform which allows you to play online or even at home your favorite role-playing games. There are a dozen or more IPs or um, intellectual properties that they have licensing for, but they have all the major ones like Pathfinder and Starfinder and D&D and you know, all these different uh, rule sets that you can interface with and connect with your friends online. Um, we use Discord to supplement it for voice and face-to-face like we're doing now, but it does have all the other features that you would probably want and more if you were going to play online strictly. You can also use it in your living room. You can hook it up to your TV and use it for maps, however however you want to use it. The sticking point for me on it, and I'm not going to compare it with all the other ones because they all have positive and negative uh, connotations to using them. But the one thing I do have to say, hands down, that is good above the rest is that you can use it offline. So if you can't get online and you're not able to, you know, for some reason, if your internet goes down or, you know, you can't connect or whatever, or maybe you don't have enough bandwidth, whatever the reason is, you can still access your materials. You can still look at your books and you can still work on your campaigns. And that is one of my sticking points with any online services. I need an offline uh, ability to do so. Otherwise, I feel like I wasted my my money and my resources on something I don't have access to. That is. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. As I say, that's the only reason I really, really, really favor it over anything else. And then the second reason, I guess, would be the community because the community is awesome. So that's uh, my selling point on it. I'm down. That sounds awesome. It is very cool. I like that that offline thing because you never know when you're going to be someplace weird, you know, 
and your doctor's office that's in an old building that you can't get signal in and you're sitting there for an hour. What are you going to do? Work on your game. That's right. I like oh. the idea. <laughs> that's that is really cool. That's awesome. Um, how long have you been doing this for? Um, which the gaming or the fantasy grounds? Yes. The second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's start with you as a person. Okay. What got you into the world of geekdom and role playing games and all of those interesting things? Okay, I think I was about nine or ten, and it was like nineteen eighty one or something like that. And it was like in March. And I want to say that one of my neighbors introduced me to the Red Box. I played a cleric, and then I played a ranger. And of course, I died both times. But it was the best, um, you know, it was the best activity when you don't have anything. Like when I was a kid, I had a pretty rough life. So, you know, I didn't have toys, and I didn't have a lot of the things I probably should have had. But having that actually really helped me out a lot. So that's what introduced me to my neighbor. Um, thank God his name is Jerome. I wish I could find him again, but um, shout out to Jerome if you ever hear this. Thank you, um, Jerome, wherever you are. So I kept with it until I got to high school. Then I discovered girls and I quit playing for a while. And then I had a girlfriend who played. So that was like great, perfect. So I played uh, right out of high school, got into some other systems, tried, you know, besides uh, TSR products when it was TSR. <laughs> and I just kind of kept up with it. Um, life went on. I went to work. I couldn't play it as often, but I still read. I still played video games. I kind of kept up with it without actually playing. And that's because I usually became the game master. Mm. And I didn't get to play as much as I would hoped, but, you know, I was the only one who would do it. So in my neighborhood, I taught all the kids in my neighborhood how to use it, how to play it made characters with them, ran games for them, even a couple adults, believe it or not. And nice. as I got older, it just became my thing. You know, I just, I'd had a table of like 12 people at one point and we had to have two DMs. I had a co-DM and it was my <laughs> girlfriend at the time. And she would take half of the party in one room and I had the other party in the other room. And we would um, run the quests if there were things that people shouldn't know about, especially if you're running simultaneously. And then we used... Um, our D&D sessions to emulate our cyberpunk um, net running. So at that time, we were also playing cyberpunk, um, and it was basically you have a net running thing where you have to use a different interface, and one of them was a dungeon interface. So we said, what a cool thing, because net running was kind of a side thing that you had to do in, in cyberpunk. It was kind of hard to do it simultaneously with the role-playing and the action. So when we played D&D... I made some parallels as to what was going on was directly related to the cyberpunk game we were all playing. So we were heavily into role playing and 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 we played at least three times a week and you know we were playing different rule sets. We were playing GURPS and Palladium and all kinds of different rule sets. So that's kind of what got me into the role playing thing, you know, really really solidified it was right right out of high school. Um, and that was right when all the good stuff was, all the good products were coming out and, you know, the, the, the books were polished. They look really good. I missed that quality. They were putting out box sets and all kinds of cool stuff. So, and then there was other rule sets too. I turned in, you guys remember uh, opening up a magazine and you'd find a little card that you can mail? Oh yeah. I found one of those in a gaming magazine. I think it was 
dungeon or one of the TSR ones. And I filled that out and I turned it in and it was for Faza Games. And they had an article in the back. I filled it out and I won the contest. It was like you, you mail it in and, you know, they do a drawing. And I got a signed book of the Earth Dawn rule set, the, the core rule book. But it had an alternate cover and it was signed by all the people who, who created that rule set. Wow, so then I got cool. into Earth Dawn and it, it yeah. So I, I just kept going and going. I think at one point in the mid 90s, I probably had, you know, at least five grand worth of role playing stuff, if not more. And that's nothing to, you know, to brag about, but it's certainly something that I was proud of. And I, I, I'm not ashamed of it. And I always liked to share that hobby with people I was close to. So it was something that's always been a part of my life. Although, I, you know, it's been on hiatus from time to time, but it's always come back. And it finally led up to a point in my life where things weren't going so well and there was just something missing. And I was having a like a nervous breakdown and things weren't going good at work and I was stressed out. And, and all these things were coming in at me once. I started having anxiety and panic attacks and, you know, things like that. And I didn't know it was wrong. I, you know, it feels like you're dying at that point sometimes when you have those. So I went to the doctor, got some help, and at that moment, I realized what was missing, and that was my role-playing um, tools that I used to cope with, with some things that were not so pleasant in my childhood. So when I started playing again, it gave me a little bit of, you know, some relief. Um, it gave me a way to channel the negativity of my life into something positive. So it gave me uh, a little bubble gave me a shield, and it has that tertiary effect where it's kind of like a coping mechanism that I'd used as a child. And I really didn't make that connection until I started going to therapy. And I said, you know what? This is why I made it through all that, because I probably would have went nuts before then, you know. So all this time, I didn't realize that that was one of my main coping mechanisms. Um, so I look for ways to play, and, it, you know, I don't have too many friends that... that that play anymore and a lot of them are gone so i looked for virtual tabletops and that's what led me to the fantasy grounds path so this was about five years ago and my journey has been you know i looked at all different kinds at the time and they just quite didn't fit my my bill of expectations so i kind of let it go i bought fantasy grounds or purchased it in 2011 and that's when they first acquired it from another company that they had purchased it from so it wasn't quite that great i had no clue how to use it no RTFM, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just uninstalled it and walked away from it. I said, I would have waste the money, you know. And I really didn't want to use it. I thought it was weird. I didn't understand it. You know, I had no idea what to do with it. And I was like, where's all the books and what, what's mm -hmm. going on here? So I had no idea what it was, to be honest. So I left it go and let it, let it alone, and I didn't do anything with it. And one day at work in 2017, uh, one of my coworkers asked me if I use Fantasy Grounds because we were, you know, coworkers. We talked about gaming occasionally. And I said, yeah, I have that software. What about it? And he goes, well, I want to try it. And I said, well, I have a license. So why don't we try to see if it would even connect? Because I've always wondered about that. I never had anyone to connect with. So we got that working. And I said, oh, so we're just chatting back and forth. We used it like a uh, chatting program when we could have just as easily <laughs> texted each other on the phone. But uh, yeah, so we kind of played around with just the interface, and then we're like, get, got really excited about it. So I dived, I dove right in. I, I upgraded my license. I got some books. I started to figure it out, 
and the guy at work said that his computer broke. So I had all this stuff and no one to play with. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that what happened, but anyways, he he couldn't play. So I just started looking around and I found that uh, there was other people that were playing online. I got involved with the forums. I started to figure out how to use it. I tried to apply a lot of my old methods with it and it kind of worked, but it was broken to the point for me that I, it was not very usable. So I, I ran a table for about five months and I had about eight players, which is a mistake, but I, I really wanted to play and I really wanted to, people to play with me. So I ran that table for a while and it caught to be kind of cumbersome because I didn't know what I was doing uh, with Fantasy Grounds and I kind of was getting confused and you know frustrated. And then I had a romance going on in forming on the table so i wanted to make sure that that didn't go anywhere uh, <laughs> because I, I i don't mind that if it's in character but when it starts going beyond that i sense that and i i didn't want it to go any further than that so i i called it off and i said no nope, this is I, I i can't do this guys i'm sorry so they were disappointed with me but a couple of them stuck with me and i decided i wanted to form the college and at that time, it wasn't really a college. I call it the D&D 5E Church. And it was like every other Sunday. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. So it was like a little group of people. We got together and I showed them how to use Fantasy Grounds as best I could. And I showed them what I learned. And a couple of them knew some things I didn't know. And before you know it, we had about 30 people. And I'm like, this is, this is cool, man. We got a little community here. We got a couple guys running games. And then it got up to about 300 people. <clears throat> and that was within a few months. And during that time, I got some really talented people that came into this server. They were professional, whatever they did in real life. They knew what they were doing. So they helped me organize Discord. They helped me get our website set, set up. All the social media stuff, they kind of set that up with me. And we kind of branded it before we even knew what it was going to be. And before we actually set all that out, um, they recommended I change the name from church. I said, that's a little off-putting for some people. So let's change the name. So we, we I didn't want to change it. I was against it. But uh, since I was getting their help, I kind of got outvoted. So it was like, you know, two to one. So I had to, I had to basically kowtow to that. And I said, okay, <laughs> we'll do it. And it, it was probably the best decision ever made. Once we did that, we got a spot on Nerdarchy. Um, on their show and uh, we did an interview there and after that we grew to about a thousand people wow so from august to june or excuse me january or february we had about a thousand people and that's how quickly it grew we were running games back then and the only thing i really taught was character creation because that was a tough one for for a lot of people and then the other was uh some combat some one shots the first D D um game master class that I taught um, early, later that year, I had 65 people in that class in Discord. And if you remember that Discord used to be limited, you couldn't have more than 50 people at a time. So we had to go on Twitch on emergency. And that was the first time I'd ever used Twitch to broadcast. So I had to do the class on Twitch because of the amount of people. There was just too many people. We couldn't accommodate them. So I said, we must be on to something here because to get that many people signing up in less than three days is ridiculous. I mean, it was a lot of people. So throughout that the time that that was going on, I was starting to heal from my uh, anxiety. I uh, feeling a lot better. 
lot more clear headed and I got some really good people involved and we diversified and we expanded. And I want to say it grew, we were getting about a thousand people a year is roughly what, you know, what, what it came down to. Wow. So we're getting about a hundred people a month or so. And now it's kind of gone up to about one and a half. And then after COVID uh, started in March or so, we grew a thousand people from March to our Founders Day weekend, which was in the end of July. And that was a huge spike. I mean, I never seen that many people coming. I mean, every day we had people joining the server and it was no less than 10 people. And it kept going and kept going until the holidays hit and it kind of slowed down. But uh, every year there's some spurts. Whenever a new product comes out, that's usually when we get a lot of people coming in. Like a new book will drop or something like Mm -hmm. that. Or maybe a new rule set comes out on the platform. Or you get something like COVID or maybe there's there was some fallback from other VTTs that were out there a couple of years ago. Uh, we gained some people from that. Uh, we've had traditional tabletop people that, you know, are in the military or they were in the military or college or whatever they played and they wanted to play with their friends again. So they were looking for solutions to, to doing that and they come across the college and now they're playing with their family and their friends and their military buddies and you know everybody else. So it's become a place of not just um, role-playing games and, and virtual tabletop and fantasy grounds. It's kind of become like a social club, a place of learning and sharing knowledge, and a place of talent. So a lot of talented people come through there. And we're talking about unique people who don't normally get out and talk to people or they're so busy with their career that they don't have a lot of time to get out. So we have really high-end programmers and really creative people, and we have people who are very organized. So very early on in our growth, I reached out to those individuals. I recognized their talent, and I said, hey, I really need you for this or that. I had the, the foresight to do that. And um, it's done nothing but but help us grow. And now we kind of have to run it like a business because it's no longer just 300 people. Uh, we're reaching 900 or 9,000, excuse me. And I imagine by the time we get to our next Founders Day, which is the end of July, we'll be at 10K. And the numbers, yeah, the numbers don't really tell you the whole story. But when I analyze the numbers, um, we have tools to report on it in our website too. Our retention has been pretty good. So I look at our join code. We have the the join code that we've always used for the most part. And we have 4,000 people that either switched names or they didn't come back. But we have 9,000 people that stuck around. So that's a really good ratio. So I made a, uh, a little mantra or a, uh, a cult chant. It was uh, three men enter, one man leaves, but not without the mark of FGC. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like our little mantra there. Well, I had to change it. Yeah, I had to change it, though, because we had women in there. So now it's person. It's no longer man. There you go. And to say person. <laughs> and that is one of the things I worked on was getting some more um, female people in there. Um, we don't have a problem with people that are gay or if they're, you know, autistic or whatever they're, they're whatever it is that they're dealing with or, or that they are. They you don't have problems with that normally. Most of the people are pretty accepting. I don't think we've had more than maybe 100 people have to get booted out of there since we started it. 
So we've only had less than, I don't even think it's 100. I think it's maybe like 50. We've had about 50 people we've had a kick permanently. That Everybody is else. not bad at all. No, it's not. And and those were either people that were disgruntled or some mental problem or whatever the issue was. Um, and then we had a couple people that were got pretty uppity and they wanted to do things their way. And I've had people approach me and they want to monetize it. And I'm like, I don't have a problem with monetizing pieces of it, but I don't want to monetize to the point where it's too much like a company, if you know what I mean. Because mm-hmm. then I have to pay employees. And then I have to, you know, and I don't want to get into all that. I just want to go in there, help people, show them how to use the software and let them let them go. You know, I don't really want to, I, I just don't want to turn it into a big money thing because it, it's not the same then. So, I mean, we have a patron, we have a donation thing, but we don't really charge for anything. And and that, that was something I, I'm going to keep too. Um, but I've had people say, hey, you can make a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, but not for long. I mean, you, you might make money for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then it just fades out. So I, I never wanted that to to be, you know, a thing. So the, the community is free. You come in, the user experience is you, you you join the Discord, poke around, ask questions, get to meet people, then you go to our website, you register so that you can access our calendar. We we host our calendar on on the website because Discord often isn't a very good um, content uh, holder. You hold content very well. Also, if someone ever sells Discord or they decide to get rid of it, a lot of our content will still be on the website. So we don't have that problem. So that's the other reason why we did that. But anyway, so we have a website. We have a knowledge base. We have YouTube. We have all the all the different social medias. And we have people that are teaching classes on a semi-regular basis. Most of our faculty, we ask them if they will do two events a month, which I don't think is too bad. Uh, they'll do two classes or more. Um, the people who can't run classes, they'll help us greet people when they come in. So we don't normally use a robot to greet people. And we talk to them and we direct them and you know we try to get them where they need to go. And that's just how we've done this for the last three and a half years. So that's how long, well, we're almost at four now. So this will be our fourth um, Founders Day coming up in August or the end of July. So that's kind of the story of where I started and where I'm at now. So that's, uh, and then Jody, or um, you guys might know him as Farid. Yep. He is one of our former teachers and I taught him. And he stuck around for about a year, and he did his he did his part, and then he kind of got busy at work, and now he's kind of branched off on his own, and that's a really good thing. That's uh, that's what I like to see is the the growth of the community. Um, we've had other offshoot um, places that have you know people who have gone through the college that are doing their own servers, their own communities, and their own thing, and I think that's great. And they're allies to us, and if they have people that need training, they know where to send them. And, you know, it, it's a good thing. You get a game master that wants to run a game. It's kind of a pain to train all those people. And, you know, it's, it is part of the, the hobby, but it's nice to be able to send them somewhere initially while you're working on the campaign. You tell them, hey, go over to Fantasy Grounds College, give me a couple of weeks, and we'll get together. And that's kind of what, what we've done. So we offer that service for game masters if they need it. And then we have people who come around all the time because they just want to talk to people. And there's all kinds of uh, things that people um, gain from being um, part of the community. So it isn't just about the game itself. It's about uh, 
human contact like we're doing here. We're talking and uh, we're really passionate about what we do. And it's one of those things where what else are you going to do? You know, you have chores, you're doing work around the house, you're maybe getting to some projects that you always put off because you're stuck at home. So why not make the best of this time? So we're doing that right now. Uh, it's, now go ahead, Joe. I, I was going to mention that one. Uh, we, we need to throw a, a thanks to Farad for, for he made the introduction uh, for us uh, to, to start this conversation uh, about having you on the show. So uh, thank you, Farad. Yay. Uh, and and <laughs> yeah, it's I, I so I, as I said, when we opened up about 2005, I got introduced to what was Fantasy Grounds at the time because uh, we my group of friends who we used to play in person every week had decided to we were we hadn't decided we just life was moving us all around the world um literally uh two of my friends were heading to south uh south america um and i and and so we wanted to continue to play and there was fantasy grounds at the time this is like this was right around the time that D D 3.5 came out and i remember i bought the key and it was a it was a downloaded program that you launched on its own and i think we messed with it once or twice and then life happened and never you know never had any any use of it again but when i did try to use it it was not it was not very intuitive and like as i said i really wish there had been resources to reach out and go okay how do i do this um uh, full disclosure i use one of the other vtts for uh when we're playing now uh, our our podcast campaign uh not safe wizards and there is a learning curve and you you know there's a learning curve to 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 any of them and having resources especially one that is as organized as fantasy grounds college is a real boon uh to someone coming into using a, a virtual tabletop for the first time I think uh, if there's it, we we've talked about the the silver linings to COVID, you know, and I think that so many people getting involved in gaming and having resources like yours are definitely the silver lining to COVID. I appreciate that because that's how I feel about it. Um, the other silver lining is we all have the time to get together and do this, right? Normally, I'd just be getting off work and I wouldn't have time for this stuff. So. Having the time for it and being able to get together and talk about these things is just as important as playing the game. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on here because yeah, it, no, it means a lot to me. Yeah, no problem. That's one of the things we've also uh, we've said about our podcast. So right before the right before the, the lockdown, uh, we had started making arrangements with the local game store um, to use their podcasting studio uh, for the show. And... We'd figured out somewhat how we could remote in guests if we needed to, but it was still very daunting. Um, and then the lockdown happened, and boy, did we have to learn how to use Discord real quick. But it's let us talk to you, talk to Farid, talk to Dungeon Meowster and that whole crew, you know, B-Dave, everybody that we've gotten to have on the show who's not local to South Florida. You know, that's been our silver lines. We've been able to expand out who we talk to. So that's great. By the way, as you were talking, I just kept giving you geek points. I was gonna, I was but gonna I didn't want to interrupt you. 
no, no, no. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was very concise. And I love listening to you talk. I love hearing that passion in, in anyone's voice who is really in love and dedicated to role-playing and to, and to this world. Uh, it, it's always cool to listen to. I just wanted to make sure that I let you know that there's about six geek points just because I was like, that's one, that's one, that's really cool. So <laughs> <laughs> they're for in sure. there for sure. So what about you, White Wolf? Um, what do you think of all this, Will? Oh, did sorry. we lose Will? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was going through the calendar and going, wow, that'd be really cool. Wow, that, that'd be really cool. Wow. That'd be really cool. <laughs> Damn it, I don't have enough time. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you've got... Uh, you, you've got homebrew, homebrew classes. You've got five uh, e. Um, where did it go? Uh, you, you got five e games. You've got a d and d two e. You got three point five Pathfinder. You've got five e Dragonlance. I mean, good God, man! I don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so one of the things we're doing um, as a directive for this year. Uh, we we decided this as a team with the admins and our faculty was to have a rule set a month. Um, one of the illusions that it's out there is that we only do 5e. And that's really not true. What it is is there's not enough champions for the other rule sets. So this gives a chance for the champions of the rule sets to come out. And then I can capture them and put them in our cult and yeah. lock them down. <laughs> and, get them. Get them. Yeah. <laughs> But for the for the for the most part, it's been very successful. In November, we did a trial. We did Pathfinder, and it worked pretty good. But it was kind of a one man show. Um, December, we didn't do anything because we figured it's a holiday month, and you know, people are going to be. It's going to be too sporadic. So the last month, January, yesterday, that whole month, we did a um, we did a really good, successful, you know, rule set a month. Um, campaign and that was traveler and that was a success i actually got feedback from the developer and he said you know that was the best month ever for that rule set oh wow that's very cool sales the activity the participation you know the excitement um that's exactly what we wanted uh when we we're targeting the rule set per month it's only 30 days right it's not going to kill you even if you're a huge D&D fan, who cares, right? You, you can handle a few weeks of a different rule set to be put out there. And, you know, there was a lot of people that may not participate, but it still brings in other people who like other things other than just fantasy, because that happens to be sci-fi. So I think we did a really good job with that. I'm really proud of it. And I, all across the board, all the numbers I looked at today indicated growth. And it was over 15% across the board. So that's Discord, the website, social media, everything. So that's really good. That's that's a good day. So our good month. So this month we're doing D&D Classic, which is first and second edition. But we do have other things poked in there so that we're still accommodating the masses. We have 90% of our servers D&D 5e, or maybe 85%. But we have to offer the developers and the publishers a chance to show us what they have. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we've taken um, the smaller um, publishing companies and people who make stuff for that and bring them in and get them involved and show people what they do. And and that's a huge, huge thing for, for to grow the community. 
the other thing is uh, every couple years, I do a thing called Mapper's Delight. And it's basically digital cartography, not all of it, but most of it. Um, each I've done it twice now. I did, you know, every other year I'll do it. And it basically just gets all the digital photographers. We get them off the Cartographers Guild and some of the private ones. Uh, we had Dyson logo at our first one. Oh, wow. Um, we did a lot of really cool things with that. And that's one of the first things I did when I established the college is I reached out to people who create stuff. And I'm talking like token makers, map makers, you know, people that write, people that make stories, people who are good voice actors, all that kind of stuff. So I, I really work hard on that, and I still do. And uh, they were successful. We have two archives online on YouTube. So if you look up Mappers Delight and YouTube, you'll see one or two of those. And, and they were sponsored by us, but they're really about the community. Not so much Fantasy Grounds. I always try to bring it back to Fantasy Grounds. But those maps are used everywhere. People print them. They use them on other VTT. They hang them on their wall, right? So it's not it's not just fantasy grounds. It's about the community. I gotta so check we that did out. That. Yeah, it's called maps. Me too. And it's <laughs> Mapper's Delight. And it, which, by the way, geek point for the name. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my idea for sure. <laughs> That's I love that. <laughs> Mapper's Delight. Yep, and Mapper's Delight too. <laughs> you got to have that sequel. Is it right. the electric boogaloo version? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Breaking two. <laughs> got to save the rec center. Yeah, damn right. That, that's basically what you're doing. Is you're saving the rec center. Yep. And one of the uh, one of the um, things that I I hope and dream is that this kind of model of community would be able to bring this type of uh, exposure into learning environments. So I can imagine if I started in kindergarten and I made my first character and that character stays with me for all 12 grades or whatever, how many grades you, whatever country, or I don't know how other countries handle grades, but I'm sure it's similar. But you have this character that goes through school with you and he levels up. And what that means is not only does he learn math, reading, writing, he also learns how to play nice with people, how to think outside the box, and how to integrate with society. And I think ah. that's something that's missing in our culture of teaching, especially now that we're online. We really need that uh, right, really bad right now. Dude, you are going to make me cry. If I had had something like that when I was in school, oh, man, different story yep. to have like that, that, that learning through teaching kind of a th oh man mm -hmm. that is super cool i like that please keep going <laughs> and so i had an idea with an ex-employee that worked at uh watsi at one point and her and i were talking about this type of thing because we all have kids now and we're older and i'm thinking you know what a great way to pass down a hobby but it also becomes part of a curriculum you know, it's not just a game anymore. It's part of your daily life. It's part of who you are indirectly so that you can deal with things and you can, you know, you use those tools that you learn from the game to adapt them to life. And I think that that's part of why I was able to get through all of my grief and, and hardships and in, in my upbringing was I had those tools. So that's a leadership thing that I learned. It's a teaching thing that I learned, but moreover, 
It's sharing, it's caring, and it's daring to put yourself out there to, you know, help others and not just think about yourself all the time. And and that's really what it what what's missing in a lot of our communities is we don't have that anymore or, or very little. So I think that go ahead, Joe. No, no, I finish your thought. That I've... Okay. So that anyhow, the the idea was to take this type of model and put it in a library and in a public library, not a private one, and see how it goes. Get some kids together, get some laptops donated by whoever, and get fantasy grounds or something like it out there. And use that to get children engaged in learning and helping each other and in, and talking and, and discussing and, and figuring stuff out. Because we're not doing that in, in school anymore. Um, what we're doing is we're just kind of regurgitating the same thing over and over every year. We're not really, I mean, yes, it gets a little more complex. Yes, it's, you know, it gets to be connected to more things that you do in life. But I don't think there's that human side of it. I think it's very cyber and um, less about playing at recess, you know, and, and hanging out with your friends and, and those sort of things. I think we're not raising still... human beings anymore. We're just programming. No. Yep. Well, yeah. Yep. I, I, you know, I saw that, you know, with my children growing up and, mm-hmm. you know, we had the advantage of, you know, us having been role players and bringing the kids up playing D and D and playing magic, the gathering and being part of Ren fairs and things like that. They had an advantage. You know, and learning all of those things and all of the incredible lessons that come with it. But a lot of kids don't, not everybody's got geeky parents. You know? right. <laughs> I, one of the things I was, I was going to bring up is, is what you're talking about, you know, needing to have in school the, is how I, you know, vestigial, not vestigial, uh, you know, how I got introduced to D&D was my brother was in gifted, uh, gifted program in middle school. And mm-hmm. one of the teachers, I think it was either the English teacher or the social studies teacher, introduced them first to the, you know, the pick your path adventure books. Nice. And then and then introduced them to D and D. And he comes home and tells my parents, and next thing I know we've got the red box. And uh, as I've told on this show before, you know, on the side of the box, I think it said for ages 10 and up, and I was like nine at the time eight or nine at the time. And I was like, uh, am I allowed to play this? I'm not old, you know, and my older brother reassured me that the D and D police were not going to come get me. So great. Good brother. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. And the, the reason why, and I remember my parents were, you know, this is the early mid eighties mm-hmm. and my parents were wondering, why are you bringing this game that has somewhat bad, you know, press and the teacher was, she was just like, it teaches problem solving. It teaches leadership. It teaches all sorts of things outside of subject matter that, mm-hmm. you know, these that everyone needs, but especially these young gifted minds. And you are 100% correct. I, I was a teacher for a short period of time in, in New York City public schools. Um, and yeah, no, it, it really was less about teaching kids beyond the subject matter and beyond the subject matter tests that they had to, they have to take, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year. So. Yep. I, I have a, like. yeah, I, I have a thought slash question. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking about this concept and, and this is really cool. The, the 
kind of getting kids involved early in in creating this avatar and learning through it and all of that. Uh, there's a lot, especially with like uh, Ready Player One and Ready Player Two coming out, and a lot of the VR stuff and the uh, augmented glasses, which I just saw a demo on that totally blew my mind. Um, there's so much technology out there, and we're getting to the point where we're being able to apply of the, a lot of this technology to everyday life. Um, so this is no longer fantasy. This is a reality. This is something that could very well happen. Um, I'm interested to hear your take on possibly kind of merging those two to where we are bringing a, uh, an oasis type of a world to life to where your classroom is not just the kids in your neighborhood. That classroom can be kids from all over the country or all over the world that are learning together. Right. I, I agree with you. I, I like the idea. Um, the only thing I could really say that might slow it down is the fact that there is a cost barrier right now. Sure. Um, especially in other countries. Um, the other thing is, there, believe it or not, our tech deficit is really high. Mm -hmm. um, when I run classes, I notice that about half of the people, they don't either know how to use their computer, or they don't know how to use the software, or they don't know how to use Discord, or they don't know the game. So when you have all of those things combined into one person, that's a very challenging um thing to take care of when you have different levels of learning. And I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You have the people who know stuff and the people who don't. And I think until that gap kind of narrows a little bit, mm -hmm. that that dream is going to be a little bit slower than we'd hope. Mm -hmm. oh, of course. But, but um, Fantasy Grounds themselves, Smiteworks, has partnered or invested in a Kickstarter where there is a tabletop that's virtual and they have these little wands and this little table thing and i can't remember the name of the company but it's ran by a woman who who is really nice we met them um that they are working on that technology and fantasy grounds has already invested in that idea so it's exactly not... what you guys are doing is closing that gap exactly so they're Smiteworks is already on board with that, and I think it wouldn't be much to adapt what I'm doing now to that, because we're already doing it on Discord. We just don't have the virtual side of it yet. So I think if we get this part down, the uh, communication, how to use the platform, you know, there's kids out there learning on Zoom now. None of them have used Zoom until now, or well, let's say none of them, but a large percentage of teachers and students haven't used Zoom or communication software so um your idea is not unheard and it's been discussed and i really think that that is the next level of learning and communication and education is something like that uh, a model where you are in a class with a you know 100 people but you don't necessarily interface with all of them but you could and and i think that's a cool thing um but i i really think that you know just getting this down to where people understand the technology and their computer and whatever platform they're using is is, is the biggest hurdle. Um, and that still exists. It's almost like I, I remember when I first started getting the computers, I knew nothing about them. And at that time, the biggest thing I think was a 286 or a 386 mm -hmm. with the DOS program. You know, I didn't know much about it. I mean, I took some classes in school, but those were green screens. Yes. You know, those were ugly 
you know, green graphics with hardly any commands. It was like, you know, the real raw basics. And that yeah. was, <laughs> you know, I took a few of those courses, but uh, that like we have now. Oh, no, no. I, I, I remember those those monochrome green <laughs> green monitors doing the, the logo programming or basic mm-hmm. programming. Yeah. What were those? Were they Amigas or I don't even remember what they were. They, they were, were ugly. Most of them were uh, Commodore, Apple IIe's. Ah, uh, they see. actually weren't even. They actually weren't even. They were Bell and Howell wow. Apple uh, clones. I, I remember that because uh, we, <laughs> when I was in high school, we were still using them. My freshman year for the advanced computer science class. And the wow. next year we got Macs. We wow. got the uh, the the one piece Mac with the yep uh, sixteen colors. I think screen. Mm-hmm. That's a big uh, thing. I was like eight bit or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> um, See, I, I managed to miss all of that stuff, and I think that's a lot of why I'm so behind mm-hmm. with computers. You know, because I went to private school for the first half or over half of my education, and it hadn't hit them yet at all. Yeah, I, I have a thing about private school, but we won't discuss that today. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan, so bash away. <laughs> no, I just think that um, private school and public school should just be the same thing. That's all. School should be school. Yeah, there should be no privacy. Um, you know, you're here to learn together. Um, what happens is you get people that either fall behind or you get this elitist group of people. And I, I don't believe in that for education anyways. I don't that's, really think, huh? No, that's that? very true. That's very true. When I you know, went to private school all the way till sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And when I got into public school, the culture shock mm-hmm. and the the like attitude that was mm-hmm. thrown at me because, ooh, you're a private school kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and my parents even who were like, you know, we have to send you to public school for X, Y, and Z reason, but we don't really like it. And we don't really want you associating with those kids too much. And like those back and forths a little bit is ridiculous. Kids have enough problems mm-hmm. trying to get through school. Yeah. Well, protecting you from that has two two facts, right? Um, you're exposed to less crap, but when you are exposed to it, you can't deal with it. Yeah. And I had the- no idea. That's the double-edged sword of that type of elitist or secluded type learning is that uh, you don't have the ability to adapt socially as easily anyways. I, I also was a, I was private school from preschool through fifth grade. Uh, it was a Montessori school, mm-hmm. um, which didn't, we didn't quite have, like I never, never felt elite, uh, but it did put me behind on like when I went to public school for sixth grade, like. I'd never really taken a standardized test before. Oh my goodness. That's uh, a big deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, mean, I remember getting a Scantron for the first time and being like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I was like in no. seventh grade. Yeah. No, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there with the Scantron sheet. Like I, I wrote my name on it and I wrote my student number on it and I'm sitting there and you know, I'm looking at the math because it was like, she gave it to us. The, my math teacher gave us like an assessment and she walks over and she's like, well, why aren't you? And I was like, I have no idea. And she's like, you you've never taken a, a scantron test before and it's like yes please thank you for embarrassing me in front of all of my yeah. new peers see that's yeah that's not good now i will say i would and and, I, and i'm seeing more of it uh unfortunately with charter schools more than anything else um and 
I will not get on my soapbox about that, uh, where they're bringing Montessori um, techniques and things into public schools. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the, the, the gap between public and private school is a, is a real issue I have, but uh, mm-hmm. that's for another podcast. That's right. <laughs> um, I, I actually had two questions for you. Sure. Uh, Traveler month uh, mm-hmm. last month. Uh, which uh, which which version of Traveler oh, were you guys? I'm sorry. Running? I'm sorry. We did the mongoose version. Okay. Uh, Traveler two e. We actually had the um, the the owner of the company. We had the developer, and we had the people that are very passionate about it, and people who make stuff for it, all in one roof, all under one roof. So it was really good. That's um, that's awesome. That's a key point. Yeah, that was when I realized that we're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, my other question is, um, how has Fantasy Grounds reacted to you guys? Okay. Uh, a little history. Um, in the beginning, they're a little apprehensive, which I understand because they kind of hold their cards close to them. Um, I actually wrote them a hate letter. I said, your software sucks. You don't have anything that shows or tells people how to use your software. And the materials that you have out here is very sporadic and very, um, uh, I don't know, not very useful. And there's a manual that they had put out that tells you what everything is, but it doesn't tell you how it interfaces with a given rule set. And that's where the disconnect is. So I complained and ranted on there. And at the end of that, I said I was going to do something about it. And I did. I kept my own promise to myself as I quit bitching about it and do something about it. And that, that's basically what I did. Um, but after that, I don't think they even read the letter. I think the letter was to myself. Quit bitching about it and do something about it. So the, um, the, the, the whole thing is it evolved from, you know, no, you can't use Fantasy Grounds College. Okay, that's where it started getting kind of, mm-hmm. they didn't like the idea that we're using Fantasy Grounds in our title. And then, and then they suggested, why don't you use FGC, which is the acronym? I said, okay, I can do that. I didn't. I wasn't mad or anything. I just said, "Wow, okay." So then, after a while, they're saying, "I heard them say Fantasy Grounds College on their own freaking uh, podcasts and stuff. Their their own shows." So I said, "Doug, um, I noticed you guys are saying Fantasy Grounds College. You're not saying FGC or FG College or whatever you you directed me to." He said, "Ah, it's okay. You guys can use that." So then, <laughs> then it became well. I invited him to the college to show him what we're doing. The owner, uh, mm-hmm. Doug Davison. And he liked it and he got, he just, it, it's evolved into a partnership more than anything else. Um, I don't think we don't work for them. They don't tell us what to do. However, we proactively communicate with them so that we're not stepping on their toes. And if they already have something in the works, you know, we don't want to, you know, announce it or, you know, something that would break their, uh, their trust of the community or anything like that. So we have a good working relationship. That's what I'm trying to say. That's and, good. Uh, I, I was I was wondering. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I imagine at you know, would you say that you were going on your fourth or fifth anniversary in July? Mm-hmm. That yeah. at a certain point they're going to notice you, and it's either yay, keep doing what you're doing, or here's our cease and desist letter. Yep, and we haven't got that letter yet. So awesome. Um, they actually recently asked us if we would engage and help them engage with the people who want to put their games into Fantasy Grounds to sell. 
One of them is Green Ronin. So they want to get their rule set on there. They also want to understand it. So we are going to train them and show them what Fantasy Grounds can do. And we're going to give them suggestions on how the formatting or how the content should be presented to the person who has to convert the work. Because a lot of times, smaller companies don't create the content for VTT. They create it for PDF or hardback. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting the format you need. You have to do a lot of extra work to reformat it, to put it in Fantasy Grounds. And that's a disconnect between the process of getting your, you know, they don't understand Fantasy Grounds necessarily, so they don't know what to give you. And Fantasy Grounds doesn't necessarily have the tools in place right now to to make that, you know, an easier thing. So I know they're working on that because that's been a, a problem. So we are going to kind of intermediaries, uh, act like intermediaries and help them adapt their product to Fantasy Grounds or at least give them an idea of what, what they would need. To, to, to make that process quicker and more efficient and simpler. And that's uh, something that Doug has reached out and asked us to do personally. So we're going to accommodate that. And we've done it before. We we did it for uh, AAW Games. We've done it for Frog God Games. There's been a couple other publishers that uh, that have asked for help. So we, we, we occasionally get involved with that process. And I don't mind doing it because I want some content. And if I want content, the best way to do it is help facilitate it. So that's uh, instead of just standing back and going, well, I want that module now, mm-hmm. you know, or, or complaining how long it's taking to come out. Let's uh, let's work together and get this stuff through. So that's kind of what the mentality is. So we're not getting paid for that. Right. And, and we're not expecting to. However, Doug will gift modules and licenses. I would say 99% of the time I asked him for something, he's done it on the same token. I don't abuse it. I don't yeah. ask him for stuff all the time. It seems like you guys are forming a really nice symbiotic relationship. Yes, that's basically what I'm saying, is that we're trying to, you know, be cordial and not not interfere with each other. But at the same time, we communicate, we talk, we we plan, and we do things together that is good for the overall community and not just for one party or the other. No, that's 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 really cool. I'm like I said, I was sort of like back in my head was like, oh, how is this working? You know, (laughs) using using their name and um but i mean it it is one of those situations it's you know i could if i was somebody who's interested in you know using a a virtual tabletop and there's a great place that will teach me how to use it i'm going you know i I think i would be more inclined to go with that product Uh, i mean Mm -hmm. it's kind of a nice funnel to yep yeah to them and we get a lot of good access from uh you know we get sneak peek sometimes or we'll get you know, we'll get some news that, you know, most people don't know. And, we, you know, we have, of course, we have to keep it to ourselves, but it's kind of nice to be behind the scenes once in a while, too. Absolutely. And that way we know how to direct our community. So that's that's why we get that kind of information sometimes. So we get the little jump on how we're going to accommodate whatever it is they got planned. Um, so with your with your 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 whole group, your your faculty, how how does one go from, say, I join up, I take some classes to transitioning into a faculty member at some point. Okay. So normally we reach out and we look for people that want to help. And it's all volunteer, right? You can't tell people, mm-hmm. oh, you have to do this. So technically what we do as we scout for individuals or we keep an eye on certain people that we think are going to be a good fit. And there really is no criteria other than 
they need to know how to use Fantasy Grounds at least to a certain point. Um, they should be familiar with Discord. And we train them on our tribal knowledge, our Discord protocols, and our website. And we show them how to use it and how to schedule classes. But generally, it's it depends on their skill level and how much they want to learn and how, how their participation level is. When someone says, yeah, I want to help, and then they don't come around, then we don't worry about it. It's okay, mm-hmm. whatever. If someone says, yeah, I want to help, I need some training, we'll, we'll do that too. And we'll sit in classes and we will try to actually participate in a couple of their lessons so they're not feeling left out to, to dry or to hang and dry. And some people have never taught before. So we have a workshop that is donated to us from a person who is a professional instructor who teaches teachers. And he comes in once a month or once every other month and we get a group of new people and we will set them in the class with them and we will talk about how do you teach? And and that's where we really start training as we'll, you know, we get into how do you teach a teacher? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of where we start with with the with the more advanced training. But the 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 rule set comes with the teacher. So, you know, if you know D and D, then you should probably teach with that tool. Um, if you know Pathfinder, then you then teach with that. Um, but our main goal is to teach you fantasy grounds, not the rules. The rules come with time. We can't we can't teach you the whole rule set. And there are people who want that, but we we're not there for that. We say we tell them it comes with the territory. So whatever the teacher is teaching, if you're not interested in that rule set, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to learn fantasy grounds. You're just not going to learn the rules and how they interface with fantasy grounds. And that's where the 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 differences are. So when a teacher comes or when someone comes in and they're participating and they know the material or at least they they you know they they show that they're interested or they have a lot of good ideas, we usually get with them and find a a home for them. And not it's not always teaching either. Um, we have people who are good at social media. We have people who are good at uh, at writing things. We have bloggers. We have just you know you name it. So the teachers are kind of the cherry on top of it. If we can get a teacher out of it, <laughs> by a god, that's great. Um, but if we get any kind of volunteer work, we're gonna we're gonna take it. We're not gonna push it aside. So it's mostly just volunteer stuff. And if we feel that somebody has talent or potential, we'll talk to them and give them a little time to think about it, and then we'll start training them formally. Now you could go in there and train somebody to do D and D without being a teacher. Right, you don't have to have the instructor to help other people. We 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 push that on everybody that comes in. We're like, you know, you might know something that I don't. So don't feel like you have to be an instructor to help somebody here. You know, you don't need to have the title to help people. That's just a the titles that we have really don't mean anything other than your commitment to the to the community. That's it. They don't give you any prestige. There's no fame. There's no you know, hootie da da da. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not even the the CEO or whatever. I'm just another person who plays and wants to teach people how to how to use it. Um, you're, behind you're no Dumbledore. No, I'm no Dumbledore, but uh, I do have some of his qualities. But you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm getting old like him. Uh, but but um, I'm thinking that uh, mainly I I just want people to have fun and and play and get together, and that that's really the the bottom line. And if we have to use fantasy grounds to do that, well, by God, that's what we're going to do. And and that's really the bottom line is is it's more about providing the best and the most 
and consistent um, amount of help and response to the need to learn the platform. And, and that's what we're doing. And, and it seems to be doing okay. If I had to put a number on it, I'd give it a seven overall. We, we, we're doing well. There is room for improvement because if you ever think that you don't have room for improvement, you've just proven yourself wrong. That's right. So I think seven is a good number. Yeah. I'll take seven all day long. Eight is what I'm shooting for. Nine mm -hmm. is really good and 10 is impossible, or at least it seems impossible. So I think we're doing okay. I think um, overall we're doing a good job and I couldn't be more proud of the people that are helping and that have contributed, um, you know, including uh, Farid. Um, we can't keep people forever. So we have to cycle in new people all the time. So that's another thing that, that is something you have to realize with the all volunteer communities. You can't make people stick around. You know, we lost our best teacher for the game master class, but now I told, I had a conversation with him. I said, you know, you are my best teacher here and you're a professor. And he's like, yeah. And he kind of felt bad that he wasn't as active. And I said, look, Matt, I said, um, hands down, you're probably one of the best, most talented people I have here. I can't keep you here. And I don't want you to stay here on, you know, if you're not happy or if you want to do something else, I want you to do that. I don't want you here to just placate me. I want you to do what you want to do. So now he's doing that and he's excelling and he's doing stuff. So I don't want to hold anyone back. And, you know, we're not gatekeepers. We don't want, mm -hmm. you know, people get stuck and say, and be expected to do this stuff. So, what was the the Kayla loves the quote from uh, the Last Jedi? Uh, Yoda's talking to to Luke, and it's uh, the curse of the teacher is your or the job of the teacher is your students outgrow you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it is. It was hard for me to to tell him that, but I had to because I saw that he was suffering, or not really suffering, but he was held back. And it was time. It was time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, it is It is one of the great prides of a teacher to mm -hmm. watch your student excel you and, and go and move past you. And it's it's incredible to see. And it's it's always a, a, a bittersweet thing, but it's always cool. I mean, I've watched my kids, you know, my oldest, I've taught him several, uh, you know, artisan skills and then yep. watched him take it and run right past me with it and it's yep. just like wow look at him go and you gotta let him go with pride and love and they know where they came from that's right and you know? i've got a few people farid's one of them that uh have outgrown me or outgrown the community so i'm really proud of them and you know i'd take them back in a heartbeat <laughs> but uh you know if if they don't want to or they can't that's fine you know big deal so yeah you you have i am really looking forward to see how your ideas within the education system grow and how the the overall community grows uh it's really cool as someone who sometimes is a slow learner and sometimes i have to kind of learn at my own pace it's good to know that there are resources out there i mean i'm you know a dm in my own right and i do all of those things but sometimes it's good to be able to have that resource mm -hmm. to to take those classes and learn those little things or even just refresher courses. There's DMs out there that, you know, maybe you've been DMing 5e for, you know, five years and you want to go back and relearn how to do, you know, second edition or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Or by That's... God, tell us how to do Seiko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So it's really easy, Will. You just, you look at your... I can't even know. <laughs> just... Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> I, and, and the other thing, and the other thing I would say is, you know, if you are someone who is interested in not only playing games, but you're also interested in designing, developing games. Correct. There's nothing better than exploring other games. Um, you know, if you, I don't have my camera on, but behind me, I have my bookcase of of games. And there's the Marvel superheroes game from TSR. There's, uh, there's Middle Earth role playing from I forget which company. Uh, you know, there's Gamma World. Like I don't remember which edition. The one that came ding, out ding, was ding. Yeah. <laughs> Geek points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but every time you step out and you play a different game, and I mean, all you have to do is look at the difference between the red box D and our current edition and you can see where the designers of this game have played other games and have taken mm -hmm. the little some little fiddly bits yep. to make a different game exactly i see about four or five different games in fifth edition oh yeah plus uh, at least two or three previous editions correct um that's important that the game evolves and that it becomes more usable and less cumbersome and I really like the direction they went in 5th edition, but I have the feeling that it's going to creep uh, back into the same type of uh, quagmire of, of rules that just stack upon each other. And before you know it, you know, you're swimming in, in splat books and such. So I hope that is, I hope I'm wrong about that. I don't mind being wrong, but uh, I, it is I have, simple. I have to say that has been my, my, so Kayla and I, uh, when we, we, first got together we we started a home fourth edition campaign that lasted for about four years mm -hmm. um it was just one combat round that's all it was um that's a joke <laughs> um i also had I, sometimes between eight and 12 players at the table yep. um but it was a lot to keep up with with all the books they were putting out every month um never never mind also all the stuff that they're funneling out in dungeon and dragon magazine so I have been very pleasantly surprised with how sparing they've been with any sort of uh, official, you know, additions. You know, you got Xanathar's, you've got Tasha's, uh, Sword Coast Adventure Guide. I mean, it's been, you know, anything new has been, you know, they rolled it out with the, the, the uh, Unearthed Arcana columns and then it takes a while. I mean, it, they're not just, they're not putting out a month, uh, a book a month or two books a month like they used to, which thank God they're not because that was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I think they're learning. I think they're really learning. And I think that now that the fan base has, has grown so much, there's so much more input and data and feedback and, you know, they're, they're having, they're being able to have a broader audience to listen to so when something is kind of that universal that a very large portion of the community has expressed concerns about i think it's easier for them to listen you know yeah. now that it's so big i agree i don't think that uh the current management or in hasbro or wizards of the coast or people on top really know or understand what they have i think um there might be a couple people out there that are still left over from the days of the days of yore or whatever, but uh, <laughs> the uh, when you get the corporate thing in there, and I'm kind of suffering a little bit from this, uh, you know, because we have to organize our, our community, is that we start forgetting um, what what this really is. 
and um, that would be you know a game um, when you start putting numbers and and uh, replacing people with robots and you know starting to uh, buy up everybody so there's no competition that sort of thing uh, then it becomes less of a game right it's more of a company thing and mm-hmm. I think that some of the publishing places have have suffered because of that and I really hope that that gets turned around or at least realized because um, we're on the cusp of potentially getting Dragonlance back, right? You guys heard about that? Yeah, we covered that last week with the 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 new a new trilogy is supposed to start rolling out later this year. Yep, I'm very excited because that was my gateway drug into really getting into D and D for myself and reading. Um, and it's been part of my youth and i'd really like to see that come back so i wrote to uh tracy hickman on his blog and he wrote back a very nice letter and i said something along the lines like you know i've been hoping you guys are going to come back out because i know margaret's not getting younger Mm -hmm. she's getting up there in years um tracy's a little younger than her but the letter was basically um i just told him that uh you know i told him who i was and that we were waiting for the books to come out, and we're hoping that they can get everything settled with 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 Watsy. and that um, that the IP and the you know the the whole idea of it will, will be pretty well received, even though it's a bunch of older people usually. Um, I think it'll be good um, for the community. It'll bring us back together a little bit more. Um, and I think the the nostalgia and the people that played and read the books are going to be the best um, advocate for that IP. So word of mouth is going to beat um, social media and, and expensive ads and you know those sort of things. And then I also think that the entire legacy of Dragonlance will be very successful if they do it right in regards to toys, movies, RPG mm-hmm. products, collectibles, figurines, convention themes, so on. So I don't think or know if Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro really knows what they have yet. Um, and the passion that's behind it. So you think about it, all your older materials will become like gold, right? (laughs) I have said before that, you know, the things that we grew up on that were niches and and were our passions, now we're all grown-ups with grown-up money, and we can make it real big. (laughs) Exactly. Um, If you want to do that. And then also, if you grab Joe, you know, Manginelio, he wants a movie. Mm-hmm. he's been wanting that movie since, I don't know, three or four years ago. Yeah. So I said, you know, reach out to him and get the Hollywood people involved and, you know, get, get the community behind you. And, and, and then Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro will have no choice but to, to uh, placate them. So um, I think that, and he wrote back to me and um, I'll quote what he said. He said, uh, hi, Lauren, thanks for your kind words. I have heard many wonderful things about Fantasy Grounds. He just took a time to, create an account and look forward to trying the system as you can imagine the ability to play role-playing games online in the strange time is one that i'm anxious to attempt and once more thanks for your support it's been a long road to get these books this far and he signed it after that so it was a really nice response and i i'm hoping four geek points yeah (laughs) he he uh he was really nice and i appreciated that and i said well you know you and margaret are ready let me know and if she's wanting to learn too i'll uh We'll sit, sit you down and show you how to use it. Oh, my God. You have to podcast that or record it or twitch it or something. Yeah, I'd have to ask. You get to sit down but, with them. Yeah. And, oh, my God. I'd have to ask. 
but you know, of you course, know. of course, but I, I don't see them minding. But just to be able to to have that, to, oh yeah, oh my goodness, that would be so cool. So I, I have that in the works, and I introduced them to um, Doug because he's the owner of the company. I'm not, so I wanted him to, you know, to to know who the the owner is. Um, but you know, it's just good to have that community support. And you know, if he gets enough people buying the books and reading them and and liking them, hopefully they're they're good enough where everyone likes it. Uh, that uh, you know, he's going to have a good time. It's going to be a good ride for him. He's going to be able to retire, or if he hasn't already, he's going to be able to leave this earth knowing that he's done something. And 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 that's a good feeling. You know, you don't want to leave on a on a negative note. You want to have a legacy of some sort. And I think that's a really good one to have. So, oh, yeah, that's that's going to be really cool to introduce a whole new generation to that stuff. Yep. I, I think I, for me, when they announced back in what, like 2015, that they were working, uh, that Watsi was working with Laura and Tracy uh, on doing Curse of Strahd. And I was like, OK, this we, we've, we, we're we're the door is opened up. The Hickmans are back involved now we just gotta you know get margaret weiss over you know see if we can get her out of her cortex system and and, and get her you know get her involved again with them and we can get dragonlance because much like you dragonlance was i mean it wasn't so much my gateway into D, but it definitely was my gateway into um into more sophisticated playing um where yes. it wasn't just i'm going to go kill the orcs i'm going to it was story know, yeah. yeah, there was more story. My, you, my my characters, although I never made, I never made like the Tannis clone or the Caramon clone or any of those. Um, but having read those books and seeing, you know, the the struggles of Tannis or the struggles of Caramon or 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 Sturm, it was all, um, you know, it made you, it made me want to make characters that were that fully developed. Yes, uh, and I couldn't agree more with that. Um... I fell in love with all of them, even the the, the ones that you don't hear about much, because they all had a role in that, mm-hmm. you know, in that legacy of, of getting those dragon lances back up in the air. Yep. And that was a beautiful, uh, beautiful. And and what's nice is those books were PG thirteen. You didn't have to swear and cuss to get your point across. You didn't have to have the the uh, the bad things to make your point. Um, you know, there's war. There's there's dying. But they did it, and the way it's written is, I wouldn't be afraid to let my children read it, and, and I appreciate that because it doesn't have to be as dark as. I mean, personally, I like the darkness, but if I'm going to allow this to be read to children or anyone, you know, that's like ten, nine, or whatever, I think they're they're still suitable for that, and they don't have that, you know, the the adult thing going on too much. No, so, they they they. They skated that line really well. I mean, they did. You know, I, I know there are some folks out there who who abhor violence in all forms, and I don't know why you're listening to a podcast about tabletop <laughs> role playing games. Um, but I mean, I okay, I should I shouldn't say that there are games where the the point is not to fight. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there's they skated the line. You know, the, the if there was swearing, it was in world swearing. So mm-hmm. you know. By Rorx's beard, or uh, you know, it's like Shazbot. Yeah, <laughs> like Mark you know. for Mark. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a geek point for you. That's yep. absolutely a geek point. Um, you know, it, 
you know, or you just say, you know, to the abyss with you. You know, it's it was in world cursing that, you know, it the kid would read it and like go to the and, devil. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a geek uh, point for getting the reference. Yep. <laughs> my favorite one. He to the devil with you. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I mean, and and then there were there were the hints at sexuality, but it was never it was never graphic. It was never overdone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it definitely it, it definitely was something that you could give to a young reader and mm-hmm. not have to to worry too much. Yeah, and you know, even if it had uh, references that were you know a little bit more sexual in nature, I don't see that as evil. I see that as being human. So. You know, you're not going to you're not going to describe a a very raunchy, you know, encounter, but you're going to basically say they made love and and they had children. You know, those things. That's not an evil. That's a beautiful thing. That's how we create. And I don't think um, I think that the society today has demonized though that type of writing because of uh, I know this is leftover puritanical things that that I don't understand, but. Anyhow, so yes, the books I was did a more good like, job. I was going more like you know they would do like the description of say Tika, you know, and she was mm-hmm. bosomly or you know, yes, you know, they would they would go up to a line and they would stop. Yes, and, and I appreciated like, that absolutely, and I still do, and I, I I'd go back and read them, and and mm-hmm. wouldn't have any problems including that in a curriculum uh, because I don't think it's that bad. I think it's mm-hmm. uh, kids know that stuff. They're it's not like they're you know, they're protected to the point where they never see that. My God, they have phones now. They can see everything. <laughs> yeah. Where was my phone when I was a kid? You know? It was uh, it was attached to the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. It had a and lot it got of thrown kids. at you. <laughs> it had it had, a, had a long, if you're lucky, it had a long cord. Yep. And, and you got uh, tangled up in it and tripped yourself. And it was heavy. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so I'm really happy, excited about that. I have a few talented people that are working on Dragonlance content. So I reached out to them and I said, look, they're going to bring out these books this year. And I almost can bet a paycheck on it that they're going to put out some kind of gaming material. Mm -hmm. So start working on the assets now. I said, start making your tokens, start making your maps, start writing your stories. Because eventually this stuff is going to be gold, and yeah. if it isn't, you have furthered your own your own goals anyway. So you know they're already doing it anyway. So it's not like they're going out of their way to do it. Yeah, I, I remember so. uh, it was like first edition AD and D and second edition AD and D were for the big Dragonlance uh, editions, and then I, I remember I think three point five they made something. Yeah, that might have been that might have been an OGL thing. Mm-hmm. It and wasn't like, the same. Yeah, and I, I remember when we got into fourth edition, we uh, we we were interested in it, and it was like you could make your own, but there wasn't anything really official, and you know, it, it mm. at that point it was like going to you're going on to websites and forums and looking to see what people were homebrewing, and right, I remember doing that too. Um, it's, it's I was thing with Planescape. We were yes, Planescape oh, fans. Planescape was awesome. Um, so what is your speculation here, guys, for the three rule sets that are the three things they're going to release? That was something that was said about a year or two ago. They were uh, 
uh, they meaning Wizards of the Coast, TSR type stuff. Uh, what do you think is going to be the? I, I honestly think Dragonlance is going to be one of them. But um, what do you think they're going to bring back? Um, I have a feeling they're going because of of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Uh-huh. I think they're going to bring back some form of Greyhawk. Yes. I, I have to agree with you, and I hope you're right, because there's a lot of nostalgia in there. Um, I was thinking of Dragon, or excuse me, of Dark Sun, but I think it's a little too dark. Mm. I don't think Hasbro will go for that. I don't think they're going to release that, or at least they're not going to get the rights to it or whatever. I think it'll be something else. I want it to be Dark Sun, because I, I really love that setting, but um, a little dark. Yeah. They'll do it. Um, the other thought is, and especially with, did you see the Unearthed Arcana that came out last week? Mm-hmm. Um, as I have two box sets of Ravenloft Realm of Terror on my oh. shelf. Yep. Um, those those lineages they put out um, and with how well Curse of Strahd did and the revamped is doing, um, I could see them maybe rolling out a full Ravenloft that would be awesome. Yeah. I had all those books, all the splat books, all the new add-ons that they had for it. Mm-hmm. Realms of Terror, and you know, remember the uh, each book had a domain. It was so awesome. Yes. Yep. Each one had I, its own dark power, and yep. yeah. I really uh, miss the uh, Mazdaka and uh, what was the other? The uh, Alcadim. Those are really nice rule sets, but uh, they just didn't weren't quite as um, popular. And I think they got a lot of crap for it. I think um, some of the people who associate with the culture that it was kind of copying was kind of offended by it. So yeah. I think they had to stop doing it because uh, yeah. it wasn't, you know. Yeah, Mastica was was like Mesoamerica. There was Al-Kadim, which is the Arabia. Middle East. Mm-hmm. And there was also uh, Karachor, which is like the, the Asian steppes. Yeah, Karachor came out first, if I'm right. And then it was... Mazdaka, and then they came out. I don't remember the order, but I know that there was a directive after TSR was bought out to stop doing that. Uh, they Or when, when it was uh, Wizards of the Coast or whoever mm-hmm. it was at the time, they told them not to, not to put that con- type of content out anymore. They yeah. got a little flack for it. Yeah, but well, I mean, it's the same thing with like, you know, they although they don't seem to have a problem with putting out digital versions of, say, Oriental Adventure, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it, but anyhow... <laughs> um so just let's um so what where we got for time here guys let's see six i was just yeah i was just gonna, gonna do a time check it's nine um all right. i was gonna say you know we could probably talk all night about especially <laughs> so, especially older uh, D stuff but um let's get into geek news and that way because okay. we can be respectful of your time and perfect all right uh so uh who's got some geek news um, I have a couple of things, just little things, so I guess I'll go first. I don't have a whole lot this week. Um, okay. I always say that, and then I end up with more, but uh, just a couple of little fun things. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service announced a new line of Star Wars stamps featuring droids. We take my money. Right? I am like excited. They are absolutely adorable. Uh, let's see... Yeah, the, I think this is the first time that they've actually put the spotlight on droids. Uh, representing more than four decades of innovation and storytelling, the droids featured in this pane of 20 stamps are 
IG-11, R2-G2, K2SO, DO, L3L, L337BB8, C3PO, and uh, Gonk, GNK. <laughs> oh, and yeah, also, but- sorry, uh, uh, 21B Surgical Droid, and the C110P, commonly known as Chopper. Thank you. I was going to say they're, they're missing one. Yeah. <laughs> Chopper. Uh, um, the surgical droid is the uh, the one with like the, the mask looking. Uh, the surgical droid. I'm just I'm looking to see which one because I just I read it yeah. and then totally forgot. Uh, 21B surgical droid. Like the uh, the droid that assists Padme in giving birth. I believe so. It's the it's the more the scariest, uh, the scariest droid you ever want to have medically working on you is what it yeah. is. It's it's either that one or the one that uh, is talking to Luke at the end of episode five. It is. I just looked right. it up. It is the one that's talking to Luke. Okay. What is there the thing go. that was next to the table that has all the attachments? What was that called? That's Remember, a- and it, it looked like a, a medical droid. It had all these appendages and, and arms and armatures, and it, they rolled it up to the table, and this thing has like all the tools yeah. on it, surgical tools. Is that a robot uh, or is that it's a tool? That was, I, a, that was also a droid. Um, I had I had it as a kid. Um, of course you did. <laughs> doing a quick look up. It's called the FX7. Okay. That's a geek point. You looked it up, but I'm giving you the geek point for owning it. Uh, <laughs> Can we give that one to my parents? Because they really were. Your parents were awesome. You were allowed to have Star Wars toys. But yeah, so yeah, we're getting we're getting droid stamps, and I'm I am here for it. Expected to arrive spring of 2021. Cool. So I'm excited about that. I want droid stamps. I'm going to send everything from the shop. Is going to have droid stamps. Uh, let's see. A cool teaser trailer for Shin Ultraman Live action film from the directors of Shin Godzilla has dropped. So they're doing a new Ultraman. Yes. <laughs> I I'm I'm intrigued. I have not watched the uh the trailer yet, but I was I was an ultra fan as a as a youngin. Um so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh that is a four of a as of four days ago. So brand new, go look that up. Um if you don't know who Ultraman is, look that up. He's a lot of fun. Um so, so Geek Tyrant has decided to vague book me, and I am intrigued and annoyed. <laughs> the, the headline simply reads, Trevor Noah is developing a new animated film for Paramount Pictures. Okay. Trevor Noah, the host of The Daily Show? Yes. Uh, Trevor Noah is set to develop an untitled anime feature film with Paramount Pictures and Paramount Animation. The project is based on an original idea from Noah, but there is no plot details to share. All we know is that it will be timely, poignant, and comedic. So thank you very much, Geek Tyrant, for fake booking me. Now I want to know more. <laughs> wow. <Okay>. Rude. <laughs> I mean, it's from Trevor Noah, so it should be pretty interesting. But I just, I saw the headline and it was like, seriously? That's all you're going to tell me? Yep. Just, great. Thanks. Love Dang you guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I think, did I have anything else? I'm looking through my, 
my tabs here. Oh, did you know? I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently this is a thing. Did you know there's a Geek Pride Day? I did yes. not know that. Oh. I did not know that. Uh, so apparently May 25th, 2021 will be Geek Pride Day. Hmm. You're putting two geek holidays in May? I mean, come on. We already have May the 4th. Yep. And the 5th. <laughs> and Revenge of the 5th, yes. Uh, yes, and now we have a Geek Pride Day. So... I'm not sure what colors we're supposed to wear for that. Um, but uh, we find out what geek pride. I think it's yellow. I don't know yellow? why. Yeah, I don't know why it's yellow, but I can just see the little hat with a spinner on it, and you're wearing a yellow shirt. You know, I just I like the hat with the spinner idea. Those <laughs> things were usually rainbows, which is also interesting. But yes, uh, <laughs> um. The, the article that I, I read it on is called uh, DCY Days of the Year. Um, cute little, just kind of a, a website dedicated to those kind of things. Uh, their background for this particular thing is in purple. I don't know if that means anything. Or if they're just inserting their own agenda. Um, but yeah, there's Geek Pride Day. So come May, we will have to do something special. We'll have to have like all kinds of stuff. The month of May, between May the fourth and the fifth, and the twenty fifth, and the all all the things, <laughs> the things, <laughs> all the things. Um, yeah, and that that's that's about it for me, and not a whole lot. Oh, and there was another one, and <gasps> my computer ate it. Uh. Let's see if I can get it back. Here we go. Uh, and this this one is personally fun for me because this is a love that has been instilled in me since I was a child. Uh, a Boris Karloff documentary is in the works. Thank you. Uh-huh. Titled Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. That is Uh-huh. Now, yeah. remi- remind those of us who don't, who may not know who that is. I will, I, here, I will, I will read the, um, my ever-beloved Geek Tyrant uh, article. Uh, there's a new documentary currently in the works about legendary actor Boris Karloff. Karloff happens to be one of my favorite actors. This is the, the author reading um, of all time. So I couldn't be more excited about a documentary like this getting made. That could also be said of me. Uh, the film is titled Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster, and it's being developed by Voltage Films. The film follows the acclaimed 2010 biography, Boris Karloff, More Than a Monster, putting that on my reading list, uh, written by Karloff's official biographer, Stephen Jacobs, who serves as the film's historical consultant. The movie is co-produced and co-written by Ron McCloskey, I probably pronounced that wrong, and Thomas Hamilton, who is also directing Tracy Jenkins, who is also directing. Tracy Jenkins is also a producer on the film. Uh, which offers a fascinating portrait of Karloff examining his illustrious 60-year career in entertainment industry and his enduring legacy as one of the icons of 20th century popular culture. Oh. Yeah, so, so yeah, he is, he is one of the most incredible actor, character actors, portrayer of monsters, uh, I think I will always be in love with his interpretation of the mummy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he, was, he was the mummy. He was Frankenstein's monster. A lot of things. Yeah. His, his filmography goes on and on and on. Um, not to mention uh, a claim to be a wonderful person with an incredible sense of humor uh, and a bit macabre himself. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff about him and his life. So I'm, I am really looking forward 
to this. Yeah. This looks super cool. And he narrated the original Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas cartoon. Oh. Good, and good. ended the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Yep. Geek point. Yeah. So so that was, I think that was my big one. And my computer ate it for a second. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what I got. Not bad. Okay. Will, you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, would you like me to take care of the uh, the sad news of the day? Uh, there's a couple sad news of the day if we wanted to to take care of them. Yeah, I'll take one. You take the other. How about all right that? then? Um, so we we have lost another member of our childhood. Uh, Dustin Diamond has passed away. Uh, he uh, formal uh, cause of death is not known as of yet. However, it's likely pointing to uh, his most recent uh, cancer diagnosis. Uh, more information, I'm sure, will be coming out about that in the, in the coming days. I can update you on that. Excellent. The missus just told me that it was stage four lung cancer. Oof. And if you don't know who that is, that is Screech, by the way. <laughs> Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yep. Yeah, yeah he, he was diagnosed with, with, with stage four a while ago. Uh, I believe uh, December. Yeah. Uh, it's probably complications from that because that's yeah. what my mother died from. Mine so as I'm well. I'm very familiar. Yep, mine as well. And it, it takes you fast. Yep. My mom was diagnosed in July, June or July, and was gone by November. Same. Mine was diagnosed around that same time and went away in September. Mm-hmm. So it was very quick. Yeah. Yeah, which which is which is a blessing because it is not fun. Mm-mm. It is it is it is terrible to live with and um, horrible to watch. Yes, yes, it was very very hard to watch. So um, God bless you, Screech. Yeah. Godspeed. He's going to the great high school in the sky. Was that terrible? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and the I'll other one. The, well, <laughs> there's, there's there's actually. Two more. I'll take care of them. Jeez. Uh, what? We lost. We lost uh, actress uh, extraordinaire uh, Cicely Tyson. Oh uh, no! Yes. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emmy Award winner, uh, Screen Actors Guild Award winner, Tony Award winner, uh, Honorary Academy Award, Peabody Award. Uh, she was married to Miles Davis. Um, just she refused. She she worked for over 70 years and refused to take roles that um, would reduce her down to her ethnicity or her gender um, and or the, age or age. <laughs> and in the process, she, she set a standard for acting that I, I, you know, you, you can't even, you can't even talk about. Um, and if you haven't seen something that she was in, uh, do yourself a favor. Check out Sounder. Check out uh, the autobiography of Miss Jean Pittman. Um, just and, and I was so I was thinking about it when I read the news. Um, my mother would get so tickled anytime she showed up as like a guest star on mm-hmm. on a program. So uh, yeah. that's one of the the losses. And the other loss uh, we lost uh, Cloris Leachman. Uh, she uh, Emmy Award winner and BAFTA and uh, Academy Award winner, Golden Globe winner, Daytime Emmy winner, um, you know, known for Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, for our audience, probably best known for playing Frau Blucher and Young Frankenstein, uh, and, uh, 
uh, if you were uh, were a fan of any Mel Brooks films, you also recognize her as uh, Madame Defarge in History of the World Part One. Still waiting for that mm-hmm. Part Two to come out. Um, she was, you know, a, a funny woman, uh, but could do serious roles as well. Uh, later years, uh, I, I remember seeing her on some of the Comedy Central roasts. Oh my God, she could slay the younger comedian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she she could just, you know, she had no no compunctions about letting you know what she thought of you. Uh, <laughs> she passed away uh, er, uh, late last week um, at the age of ninety four. Uh, Miss Tyson wow. was also. Uh, in her 90s, as I recall. Uh, 96, yeah. I want to say. That's awesome. Do you uh, guys know what uh, superhero she's associated with in uh, acting? Cicely Tyson? Yeah. Does she play she a superhero? She wasn't. No, but she was associated with one. Oh, do tell. I don't know. Anybody? Going once, going twice. Uh, Wonder Woman, the Linda Carter. She was the uh, queen... Hippolyta or Hippolyta? I could, Hippolyta. Hippolyta, yes. Oh my God. See, I need to go back and watch those. I was the biggest fan when I was a kid, but I probably haven't watched them all since I was a kid. She's a very attractive lady. I mean, even all in her later years, I'm looking at some of her really? portraits. Very, beautiful. Very beautiful lady. Hippolyta. Okay, that's cool. That's definitely a geek point. Now I have to go back and watch Wonder Woman, which I've been wanting to do anyway, because Linda Carter rocks. Um, Sorry. So, so Will, do you want to... What else you got? Uh, So I got some fun stuff, and I've got some really neat stuff. We'll start with the fun stuff. Um, Thor Love and Thunder is well into production at this point. Uh, and there are some leaks coming from this from the set. Uh, Karen Gillian was photographed uh, in between takes uh, as Nebula. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the the two Chris's have also been uh, seen bombing around the studio. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Thor is back to being the buff Thor. Yay! Does he have and, long hair again? Uh, Please tell me he has long hair again. Yes, he has long hair again. Oh, thank goodness. And uh, Chris Pine is uh, bouncing around as well. So uh, looks like Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy are getting a little crossover appeal in, in uh, Love and Thunder. Sounds like an 80s power ballad album. It does. Well, they have the correct cast for that. <laughs> exactly. It's the Kiss double platinum album. <laughs> Love and Thunder. Oh, my God. They have to do like a promo poster that looks like that. That would be amazing. That's cool. <laughs> Very cool. I can't wait to see what they do with that. I hope it's good. Uh, and that's uh, Taika Waititi is uh, masterminding that as, again. Correct. As Yay. I love him. I can't pronounce him, but I love him. Uh, so Ryan Coglier, um, who helms the Black Panther series, mm. uh, has made a deal mm-hmm. with Disney, uh, a five-year exclusive deal, uh, and will be producing a Wakanda series for Disney+. Plus. Yes! Uh, that was re- re- un- uh, announced this week. Um, Proximity Media, which is Kyler's company, uh, 
will be working on a Black Panther feature sequel as well as a Wakanda uh, series for Disney Plus. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I this, this was going to be one of my my stories. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We no, used no, to no. communicate. We used to communicate. I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, so the, the the what I was reading and the speculation is is that uh, for the characters that aren't the Black Panther and the Black Panthers, uh, you know, nemesis of the movie uh, or movies. Uh, this will be this will allow them to show, you know, some of the other background characters like, you know, Umbaku or, uh, you know, his, the, the, any of the other characters. I, I, this uh, it's so interesting with, with Ryan Coogler being able to, uh, you know, make this deal and, and bring this this whole side of the Marvel Universe uh, out. I'm I'm excited to see this because I love what they did in Black Panther uh, and and, you know, Anytime that the MCU has touched Wakanda, it's just the vision of it is just incredible. I'm waiting for Wakanda land. I want to go. Give it time. Yep. I'm going to cry. You guys know I'm going to cry. Just as much as when I finally get to go to like to do all the Star Wars stuff, I'm going to cry. When they make Wakanda land, you're not. it's going to be hard to get me out of there. <laughs> well, we're just going to have to go over to Disneyland when they finally get the reopen. and. Uh... They they get the uh, the Avengers campus put up up and running. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna have it's gonna take days. Field trip. Field trip for for science and and stuff and things. Yes, yes, it's it's, it's work. We're going for work for the show. That's, that's, that's right. That's it. <laughs> cool. What else you got, Will? Uh, so I got some space real space news. Uh, Perseverance is almost all the way to mars uh they are planning the landing to be done uh the 18th of february so just about three weeks uh and i'm really looking forward to it it should be very very interesting um i especially like the little helicopter that they got (laughs) it's got a drone yeah so that's gonna be cool that's coming up. It's getting into the home stretch, so we will have more on that as it gets closer to that point. Um, SpaceX has made an announcement uh, that it will fly a crew of private citizens into orbit around the Earth, potentially by the end of the year. How many millions of dollars are those people going to pay for those seats? Uh, well, uh, to give you an answer to that question... Um, the announcement came out. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost it. Give me two seconds. Let me see. Find it's it not again. just my computer that eats stuff. No, no, it's <laughs> so not. Okay. the The flight announced Monday would mark another significant another significant milestone in the privatization of space flight. Um, as private companies uh, take over the hold of space flight, uh, it's being funded by Jared Isaacsman. Isaacman. Uh, 37-year-old founder and chief executive of Shift4 Payments. Not a sponsor, but, you know, if you want to be, we, we'd be happy to take your check, mm-hmm. um, which is a payments technology company. Uh, he, Isaacman, is an accomplished pilot who flies commercial and military aircraft and would command the mission and is donating two of the seats on the flight to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. 
one of the seats according to st jude's was be uh used by a yet to be named healthcare worker at the hospital and the other seat would be raffled off uh in an attempt to raise at least 200 million dollars for st jude's Board. so it could be you joe uh it hmm. could could be could be could be <laughs> hey will can i borrow some money uh, <laughs> we'll start a gofundme page for you how about that there you go <laughs> send joe into space <laughs> and if we're there on a monday we're gonna re- we're gonna record the kikiest <laughs> partially from space that would be cool i would give you a geek point for that <laughs> Uh, NASA has been briefed on this and is absolutely supportive, according to Elon Musk. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll keep up on that. The, uh, it, it's being called inspiration Four uh, is the, uh, the title of that space flight. Cool. Um, I have one last bit of kind of sad news. At least it is for me. Um, the blue man group is ending its 14-year run at Universal Orlando. Wow. That's a bummer. Seriously. There goes the entertainment world, huh? Right? I love Love Boomians. I've never gotten to see them live, and I really wanted to. It's fantastic. (sighs) Oh, man. They're amazing. Um, They did a a sensory-friendly show uh, last year, two years ago. Uh, that I took my kids uh, to, and yeah, front row, right there, had a blast. It was amazing. Um, That's great. Unfortunately, yes, they will be done in Orlando, but they will soon uh, safely be reopening in Las Vegas, New York, Chicago, and Boston. Okay, so they're not going away completely. They're not going away completely. They're just done in Orlando. Okay, so it's just going to be a longer trip to go see them. Well, as as I recall, weren't they before Universal? Weren't they in the downtown Disney slash where they Disney Springs now? Uh, once a. Uh, this is like almost. This is going back almost twenty years. I want to say. Like I want to say Disney maybe. Uh, and then I think they that they signed the exclusive with Universal because they mm-hmm. they would build them a really really big theater just for them. Right. And they did. <laughs> I think I was in Chicago still when the the news came that they were getting a permanent show in Chicago. Yeah, they um, and I was I'm trying to remember what show it was that I was working on as the director of the show was bragging that he had gone to see them because they were either closer in Orlando or something like that. And I was very upset. But that was like 25, 30 years ago. I don't know. How long have they been around? Like forever? Feels like it. So they they have like do they have more than one they have more than one team? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. They they have um at last count they have six. They have the 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 five standing uh shows soon to be four, and then a traveling group uh that goes around the country as well. And okay. to answer your question, uh, 1987. Wow! 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 That's cool. Mm. Okay, so, what you got, my, Joe? My last bit of sad news for this week. More sad stuff. Joe, what do you got? Ah, okay. So, um, you know, I really need to add him to my list of future best friends. Besides uh, Lynn Miranda? 
besides Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay. Um, Kevin Smith. Yes. Uh, Kevin Smith has confirmed in the upcoming Masters of the Universe Revelation show uh, that will be coming to Netflix later this year that there will be an episode told from the perspective of Skeletor. Uh, Skeletor, of course, will be voiced by Mark Hamill, who, if you have uh, lived under a rock up until hearing this podcast, you know, he he played this role of Luke Skywalker. He voiced the Joker for Batman for a long time. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. He was uh, the voice of your childhood. Get over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously. He also uh, was uh, the voice of a, I don't remember the name of the genie, but he was the animated genie series back in like the late 60s, early 70s. He, he was a voice actor for that as well. Um, but yeah, so there's going to be an episode told directly from Skeletor's point of view. Um, cool. Uh, and of course, Kevin Smith is uh, write, writing, producing this um, and Everything is looking good for it to come out uh, later this year, which everyone is looking forward to because uh, She-Ra had such a good run uh, on Netflix. Yeah, She-Ra was really good. Um, now, if Sat- there's not an entire segment based around his infatuation with Evelyn, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> I, I hope it has more substance than that. <laughs> I mean, what I mean entire is- show, just like an entire segment, just like yeah. one little segment. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I Matt. Go. I can't handle Orko. I'm sorry. Really? He was my favorite. <laughs> no, no. Can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. He's the Ewoks of the Masters of the Universe. Totally. Kind of. But I mean, he was funny, but I just got annoyed with him. Huh. It's yeah. kind of like um, you're watching a really good movie, then all of a sudden the musical part breaks out, and you're like, oh my god. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're talking to a bunch of musical fans, so. Well, I am not a musical fan unless <laughs> it's okay. Yul Brenner and The King and I. That 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 I can. Okay, deal then with. I forgive you because I saw that live when I was a kid, and it was. Amazing. I like that. There's a few. <laughs> Gone with the Wind musical. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I, I see what you're. I see what you're saying. If you're, if you know the thing is a musical, you're prepared yes. for a musical. But if out of nowhere they start singing. It's yeah, not so like, musical. <laughs> they did it oh, in Buffy on. the Vampire Moon- Slayer, and it was fine. Uh-huh. Right. Moon- Moonlighting did it first. Yes, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Moonlighting did a musical episode, and they also did a, sh- a Shakespearean episode that was I hysterical. Was, I was just going to bring up the Taming of the Shrew uh, episode. So good. <laughs> Back when Bruce Willis gave a damn. Mm. Uh, uh, so my, I, I do have a secondary sad news. Uh, Google announced today that they are shutting down the internal Stadia game development division. Um, they are going to refocus Stadia to be a home game streaming service, uh, tapping existing developers instead of trying to develop their own games. Uh, they are also going to uh, open up uh, the Stadia Plus system, a Stadia Pro uh, service, uh, but. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a change. Uh, some folks kind of thought this was going to either that I, I was reading. Some folks thought one of two things was going to happen. Either one, they're going to realize that trying to start their own game division was probably a bad idea, or two, they were going to look out and see which game company out there was in most dire financial straits, purchase them, and ta-da, we've got a gaming game development company. Mm. Did they uh, actually release anything? 
I'm looking that up to see if there was anything of note that they released. I, I can't uh, off the top of my head think of a single thing that they released. So yeah, so that that will be going away. Although from what I have heard from people, uh, the Stadia platform is pretty good. It'd be nice to see them help you know help give the spotlight to new creators. It would. Um, what was the last thing? Um, and I lost it. Excellent. It's wow, a trend. Three for three. <laughs> the geekiest trifecta. Well done. <laughs> there we go. Our computers are all conspiring against us. Um, I was going to do the SpaceX thing uh, as well. We really do need to communicate. Uh, we I, should. Think I think that's the takeaway. We have these great communication devices. Might help to communicate. Um, We're not using them well. We should talk about uh, the Wizards of the Coast announced uh uh new the, the 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 product coming out in march uh candlekeep mysteries didn't we uh, uh so i don't know i know we like teased it the week before because like the show before because it was coming at like they're announcing it on tuesday and we recorded it on monday uh so the 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 book coming out this march uh march 16th to be specific is the Candlekeep Mysteries. Um, and it's going to be much like the Yawning uh, Tales of the Yawning Portal or uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh. It is a anthology of adventures. Uh, this, um, this book is going to be focused around trying to do some mysteries uh, uh, using 5e rules. Um, the adventures are short, standalone, uh, there's 17 of them, and they're designed for characters between levels 1 and 16. Uh, for those who are unaware, Candlekeep is a pound built around a library in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, the library there is massive, and the only way to get inside of the library is to bring them a copy of the book of a book that they don't have. Um, I believe in a couple of the uh, adventure paths that have been brought out, uh, over the years, I, I think uh, Tomb of Annihilation and Storm King's Thunder, I think, had stops in uh, in Candlekeep. Um, but the uh, writers uh, include, uh, that's a lot of, because there's 17, uh, Graham Barber, uh, Kelly Lynn D'Angelo, Allison Huang, Mark Holmes, Jennifer Kretschmer, uh, Daniel Kwan, Adam Lee, Ari Levich, uh, Sarah Madsen. Some guy named Chris Christopher Perkins, uh, Michael Pokinghorn, Tamor Raymond, uh, Derek Ruiz, Gianna Shaw, uh, Brandis Stoddard, Amy Vorpal, and Tony Winslow Brill. Um, and Jennifer Kretschmer, uh, they've been teasing some of her stuff. Uh, she has, in her adventure, um, made sure to make dungeons, the dungeon in it, uh, have ramps. Um, and she was taking a little bit of heat from some of the older folks. Uh, and I love her response to, you know, adding ramps was, hey, if there weren't ramps in dungeons, how come one of the original dwarf abilities is be able to detect the slope of a passageway? You know. <laughs> also, it's yeah, I... it's also much easier to make a slope than actually build stairs. So there's that as well. There you go. Here's a question. Yes. And and just I think this is an opinion thing. But since I have my geeks 
Is it weird as a person who does not regularly, and I say I'm, I'm using this in my own personal context because I can only use it in my own personal context. Uh, I don't regularly use a wheelchair, but I do from time to time need one um, because of my back, my, my fractured vertebrae. Um, is it weird for someone who does not use a wheelchair to make a character that does? No. Thank you. Not at all. Um, especially if it's in context or, you know, if you're playing like Mutants and Masterminds or one of those superhero ones, um, what's Professor X sitting in? That's not a staircase, right? Mm-hmm. He's sitting mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. He needs mm-hmm. a ramp. So I don't get it. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think, I don't, I, I guess it really depends upon, I, I, will, I will be the, the caveat to it, how you approach creating a character. And, and I'll, I'll put the, creating a character different than who you are in Meat Space. Um, you know, if you're doing it and you are being a terrible person and, and playing up all stereotypes and horrible tropes, then yes, that's bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you're doing it to explore what being a superhero or an adventurer or, uh, you know, gunslinger or whatever is, you know, what the challenges are, I don't, I don't really think there's a problem with that. Yeah. I think people get a little uppity about nothing and, uh, you know. Too many purists out there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, you know, I, I have been at the table where a a person who was born male decides to play a female character, and it is every gross stereotype. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's um, that's the fourteen-year-old in them. Yeah, yeah, and the sad thing is, is that I've seen it in people who were thirty. So it's like, oh yeah, some people are late bloomers, right? And I mean, like. You know, so yeah, I guess I guess the same applies. You know, as long as you're doing it in the spirit that it is, because I've seen this argument, and it's actually something that I've been considering creating. Not that I have another, not that I could even fit another game into my life right now, um, but playtesting it in the game that I'm DMing, and then eventually possibly bringing it into another game that I've been asked to guest at um, is creating a, a character in a chair, um, and I just I'd. I'd heard arguments back and forth and I knew how I felt about it, but I wanted to hear a little bit more and talk about it a little bit more. And this is a good platform to do that on. Well, let, let, I'm going to go ahead and say this and everything, it, everything is a lesson. Sometimes it's a lesson in what to do. And sometimes it's a lesson in what not to do. Either way, it will be educational. Unfortunately, it's the second one for me. <laughs> I mean, in in most cases, <laughs> we learn from our mistakes. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> we don't know what to do, but we know what not to do. Yeah, yeah, we find it out very quickly. Um, but yeah, I I just I think that the whole concept of of having characters that uh, are using wheelchairs is is so wonderful and and so beautiful and so inclusive. And I give so much props to the young lady that had the the strength and the beauty and the the the, the heart to bring that into the dandy world is it's just absolutely incredible and i want to honor that right on sorry i derailed you joe no no uh, that was <laughs> um i think that was it for my my news uh we definitely do need to communicate better because <laughs> we used uh, to and then COVID hit and we all got lazy um but okay so i guess it's time to go to the big board huh yes let's go to the big board all righty um so um i think we know who the winner is 
Is it a Will? shock? Nope, not me. Fourth place, baby. Fourth place. <laughs> Uh, coming in with a whopping 14 and probably could have gotten more had I, I j- there was, there was a lot. Um, Laren, thank you so much. Uh, you are the geekiest this week. And, and to be a good sport, I donate my geek points to the listeners. Oh, you're so that sweet. Is, that is something <laughs> that, uh. We have to remember um, we do these shows. Is this why we do it, right? We, we're not yes. doing it for us. Oh, we're yeah. doing it for them. So, yep. yeah, we appreciate our listeners very much. Yep. Thank you. That is very sweet of you. And oh. of course, Joe comes in uh, second at six. And uh, apparently, Will and I were napping. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think Will was browsing. I don't think he was napping. <laughs> Will Will got sucked into your your website, and we lost yeah. it. Yeah. Um, then he. <laughs> then he was researching the news, and he got off on these tangents, and then he, I don't know. Uh, so Will and I are holding hands in third place. Um, but yeah, uh, either way, Laren, you are definitely the geekiest this week. It was such an honor to have you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. So as our geekiest, uh, you have the right, privilege, honor, and responsibility to let the listeners know where they can uh, find out more about the Fantasy Grounds College, where they can find you, follow you, any of that good stuff. The okay. floor is yours. The really the Fuck easiest <laughs> the easiest way to find us is just look for Fantasy Grounds College on Google, or we have every platform. So we have fantasygroundscollege.net, which is our main website. We have a Discord, a very active one at that. Um, we have Reddit. Um, we're all over the map. So if you look at Twitter or any social media outlet, I think the only one, well, we even have Pinterest. So we're out there. So if you need to find us and you need a home to use a platform that's going to help you play your favorite role-playing games, come on in and we'll help you. We'll teach you. Or if you want to volunteer, whatever you need to do, um, come on in and, and meet us and we'll, we'll, we'll chat with you. Um, and I do have an update, but I think it can wait, or we can uh, maybe we'll talk about it another time. But uh, yes, so Fantasy Grounds is uh, coming along pretty well. Dynamic lighting, all that mm-hmm. stuff is 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 there. Uh, it's it's on its way. They just showed a bunch of demos of it recently. So if you're curious and you only want that dynamic lighting, I don't know what the what the allure is, but people want it. So if it's coming out any time now, so. They've already showed previews of it on their um, YouTube channel. Yeah. So if you're it's, waiting for that, that's the uh, update. It's it, it's probably the people who aren't having to set up the dynamic lighting in the yes. map yes. who are dying for it. Not the DMs or GMs who have to set it up. Correct. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I will make sure to put uh, most, if not all, of the links in the show notes for Fantasy Ground College. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Very welcome. Uh, Kay, Kayla. Oops, I was muted. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on the twits at hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram at geekiest Kayla. Uh, you can find me uh, playing Jade on the Not Safe for Wizards D&D 5th Edition Actual Play podcast. Uh, you can find me at our fun little funky thrift store in downtown Davie, Secondhand Goddess, at 4148 Davie Road if you're in the South Florida area. And if not, you can find some of our wonderful goodies online at secondhandgoddess.net. 
um, and all of the socials, including TikTok, because uh, I'm a weirdo, uh, secondhand goddess stuff as well. There's a lot of really cool, we just got our hands on, uh, we've had it for a little while, but we're putting it up, some really cool vintage Batman stuff. Uh, so if you're into that, head over to secondhandgoddess.net. Uh, there's some really, really cool vintage Batman stuff we've got up for sale. Plug, shameless plug. Um, and I think that's it. Cool. Will? Yeah. Where can people find you online? I can be found on the Twitter and the Instagram at Geekiest Will. Joseph? Yes, Will? Where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Demorgus. That's D-E-M-O-R-G-U-S. Uh, you can find me as the DM of the 5th edition actual play podcast, Not Safe for Wizards. Uh, you can find me working in Secondhand Goddess most days in the morning. Uh, okay, by morning, I mean 11, 30, 12 o'clock. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's probably about it. Uh, you can follow this podcast on social media at The Geekiest Pod. You can visit our uh, merch site, shop.spreadshirt.com slash the geekiest pod and get your hashtag geek point merchandise or your five headed logo uh, merchandise. Uh, and if you follow us on any of the social medias, you will see from time to time us sharing those images and links. So if you want to help support the show, it's a good way to do it. Um, I, think, I think that's it for now. And uh, so we're quickly approaching an actual year we probably passed that actually uh of dealing with this pandemic and uh we would like to encourage and remind you to please follow social distancing wear a mask wash your hands if you feel sick stay home basically what pete would say don't be a dick um because yes. the quicker you we all start doing that the quicker we can get back to you know going and doing cons and things um this show believes that Black Lives Matter, trans, li trans rights are human rights, and love is love. We thank you for listening this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be... Share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.